ready to talk about this movie if you are well the good news is your dates are here the bad news is they're dead they're dead (laughs) (laughs) hello and welcome to another fantastic episode of the post credits podcast my name is brian shelf that's matt papler over there and i'm very excited to talk about this movie it's one of my favorite horror comedies how about you uh it's great um i like i it's hard for me to be like, it's a horror comedy, but you're right, it is. But for some reason, it just doesn't strike me as a horror comedy, even though there's so many parts where I laugh uh, every time I watch it. But yeah, I, I love this movie. I wish Fred Decker had made more movies, you know, but I'm happy to talk about Night of the Creeps. Well, he did go on to make arguably his best movie right after this. And then, I mean, Creeps is incredible. But then Monster Squad is pretty damn good. I I say that that one's like out of the atmosphere. You know, like it's, I remember what's funny is like you had never seen it. And I texted you or called you and I was like, hey, Monster Squad's on uh, DVD. You're like, what's Monster Squad? I did not fucking say what's Monster Squad, Matt. That's let's just clear You'd the air on that right there. You've never seen it. Yeah, because I was never allowed to rent that movie because it like you look at it and you see it in the video store and like, oh, my God, that looks really cool. Can we rent that? No, that's too scary for you. Six year old Brian. <laughs> that's how that story went. Not what's Monster Squad. <laughs> I think if you like simmer it down to what the core is. I think I'm accurate still. I I disagree. <laughs> so it's it, I had forgotten about it because I had never seen it. So it was one of those movies that slipped completely under my radar because I was never allowed to see it growing up. It wasn't a movie that my friends were super into. So the awareness of it really wasn't there. OK, now continue with your story. Monster Squad's <laughs> on DVD. Yeah, well, I was just I was just bringing up, you know, that you didn't know what it was. <laughs> Uncorrect. Then, uh, but the, yeah, I messaged you about it. But yeah, like I was I was so pumped about that. But what's interesting is like I didn't really know Night of the Creeps until much later. Like I was in college, I think, before mm-hmm. maybe before I don't I don't remember ever watching it growing up. Like I don't have nostalgia for it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I I didn't either. My buddy Mark is usually pretty notorious for recommending uh, you know movies that are kind of hit and miss and he had taped creeps off of cable i want to say and then there was another movie skinned alive which was directed by scott spiegel of the you know Raimi brothers evil dead group there yeah skinned alive was fucking terrible and then <laughs> I'm going to put that on my list. Yeah, it was I need to watch. fucking terrible. And then he, Creeps comes on and I'm just like, oh, OK, here we go. You know, like pour myself a glass of Bacardi 151 and, you know, sit back and, and dull the pain of, of you know, a, a second stinker in a row. And it wasn't. It was fucking great. And I gave him the tape back and I said, don't tape over that one. <laughs> all right because that you know that was back in the day when that's what people did like you passed movies around like it wasn't just some Uh perpetually available thing 24 7 that's why i love owning movies today is because like for so long it's like you kind of watched it once and then wouldn't revisit it for like years and years and years and then you'd kind of forget about it Mm -hmm. you know but now like that there's kind of some sort of some sort of preservation you know, uh, it's great, you know, mm-hmm. but they, they stay in your mind more that way. But, um, so did you, you saw the original with the dog ending then if you taped it or did yeah, you? yeah, yeah. And then the DVD defaults to the director's cut ending, which is such a better ending. It, it is that, um, that dog ending. I didn't even know 
that that was the original ending because the only time I had seen it was when I had bought the movie uh, so on DVD and then, you know, on Blu-ray. But um, uh, so the only ending I know is with the spaceship and the worms mm. going into the cemetery and you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, but with the dog ending, I did watch that on YouTube. I'm like, man, that I would feel like I was pretty cheated by the end of that, just where it's like they didn't really escape anything. The dog put the worms in them. Mm-hmm. Womp womp. Yeah. You know? I, I would have been kind of annoyed after that. So yeah, the the this director's cut ending, I'm air quoting, because anything you can find now is the director's cut. So I guess that's you don't need to clarify which one you're watching. But mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the spaceship ending. It's great. I like that. I just don't like how Ray Cameron's the one that kind of spreads him out of the burning house. Just because, like, it, that kind of invalidates a sacrifice. Like, even though it's funny to see him, like, yeah. stumbling along, burnt to a crisp, smoking a cigarette, <laughs> and then he falls and his head breaks open. That's cool. I just wished for better for that character. Because he's so fucking cool in this movie. Like, I love Tom. This is the movie that made me a Tom Atkins fan. Yeah, I agree. Not Halloween and, uh, 3, not Escape from New York. No, this Night one, of the because Creeps. he's so psychotic, where it's just, you can't help but laugh, even though, like, his actions, like, would be appalling if that was a real person, uh-huh. you know? It's just amazing. And then the classic scene of him screaming and shooting his pistol as the world behind him is trying. I, I love that. I love that it's... so much. It's it's a very student filmy thing because it, it's not traditional coverage. They put him on like a dolly so that he's spinning around. So physically, I mean, it's like he's levitating, but it works so well in that moment. And then each shot they cut in, you know, boom, 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 as he's screaming <laughs> to the next scene. And yet I, I love that you don't see how that ends, but it's like, oh, my God, like he's going ham on these fucking zombies right now. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love it so much. Yeah. Um, and this is also um, Tom Atkins' favorite role that he's ever done. Oh, you that's know, great. This is his favorite of his roles, you know, so that's that's awesome. Well, well, good. I'm glad I got the photo of that when um, when I met him. Yeah. And, he, you know, he signed it. Thrill me. You know, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, he says it five times in the movie. OK, so only five. But, you know, it seems like it's more than that with the delivery. You know, well, like... he's got so many one liners, though. <laughs> Miller time. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's Miller time. <laughs> so. Do you know why this is a cult movie? Did you look into the history of it? Because I think this they is didn't the, advertise it correctly. <laughs> this is the movie that I think was thrown under a marketing bus the hardest by any company. Now, after yeah. I read into it, like yeah. it's so pretty incredible. House Two came out, and then the posters were almost exactly the same. And people were basically like, oh, I've already seen that movie, even though. So they're just not reading the movie posters. Right. Right. Did you know that this was only shown in 70 theaters nationwide and its domestic gross? This will shock you. Its domestic gross was five hundred and ninety one thousand dollars. Wow. Like TriStar, who originally put this out, now Sony has the rights to it. That's why you see it on like Blu-ray, you know. Uh, TriStar did not give a fuck about this movie. And just one reviewer said like that it creeped into town silently without anyone noticing. Like the well, this one review was like a positive review, but he was like, how no one knew about this movie. And this was like a review that came out months after the movie was in the theaters uh and he just blames it on marketing 100 mm-hmm. like how do you do that to a movie we're like we're only showing you in 70 theaters nationwide only 20 states have it in two theaters <laughs> right like if you think about it like that one theater per state basically yeah i it frank zappa said something really interesting about the music industry one time where he said 
I liked it better when the business people were in charge because the business people would just push everything and whatever was good would wind up selling. Whereas when the cool people got in charge, they would push what they thought was cool and then everything else got pushed to the side. I wonder if that was a similar thing in the movie industry where if you can follow that, where it's like the cool people were in charge and they're like, yeah, 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 that's that's fine. But here's this movie we really want to push. Whereas, you know, if the bean counters were in charge, they just would have advertised everything to the nines because that's the smart thing to do. Right, right. And uh, that that really bums me out that it didn't even it, the movie cost five million. So like it. It's it feels ama- like a lot for back then. It does, too, especially for like a, a horror movie in the 80s. That seems really high. Uh-huh. But and especially that it's Fred Decker's first movie, you know, that they would put that much money behind it. And then to only like. Do the bare minimum to advertise it, you know, not even get it in front of the people that would be enthusiastic about like a horror movie coming out. They're just like here's a couple commercials for putting it in 70 theaters. Now today it's like, yeah, my movie opened up to like 4,000 theaters this weekend. It's like, wow. Uh, Night of the Creeps had 70. Should I have a hard time getting my movies in one theater? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Anyway, this wasn't a black and Decker movie though. I think this was all. Yeah. This was all Fred Decker. Yeah, because Monster Squad was Black and Decker, Shane Black and Fred Decker. Yeah, and then um, Fred Decker also helped write the new Predator movie that mm-hmm. Shane Black directed. Right. So, which, depending on who you talk to, is either really good or really bad. <laughs> there's there's really no middle ground with that one. Like well, pe- people either think it's fun or they're just like that movie was fucking garbage. I I don't get it because I feel like. That's kind of like how Zack Snyder fans view Zack Snyder movies where they love it. And then everyone else, everyone else hates it. So, but I, I, you can't have that argument with the Predator movie, you know? Well, hang on. Like even Zack Snyder fans don't like his movies and then, but they're so passionate online about it. It's like, why didn't you go to see the movie or support the thing? I don't know. And that whole situation is so funny where it's like, we hate this movie. Zack Snyder's terrible. Release the Snyder cut. <laughs> I know the <laughs> irony. <laughs> what do you people want? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think with Predator, the Predator, I liked it. You liked it. But we also read a lot of the comic books where the comic books would do you know, they would be more experimental with the storylines. And if you look at the Predator movies, you know, they're slasher films with a science fiction component being the alien from space. So now you have a movie, a Predator movie that isn't a slasher film, <laughs> that it's like more <laughs> of a hard science fiction movie. And I think the the people who didn't go further down the Predator rabbit hole just weren't prepared for that because it was it was way too different for them. It's just like, I just want to see a monster smashing people. And that's not what that was. <laughs> right. But, you know, when the next Predator movie comes out, everyone's going to be like, you know, the Predator is really good. That's that happens every, every single, single time. time. <laughs> yep. Yep. The Predator comes out. Predator suddenly an epic movie. It's like, OK. Yeah. Predators comes out. Predator 2 is so much better. <laughs> yeah, it's getting reappraised okay. all of a sudden. Yeah, which I th- I mean, I've liked them all every step of the way. So people have problems not knowing what they want. I'm really excited to see what Dan Trachtenberg comes up with if, yeah. if that winds up coming to pass. But uh, that is neither here nor there. So back to Miller time. <laughs> right. You know, you know what kind of bugs me about this movie every time I watch it and it must have seemed very cutting edge at the time because I don't think very many movies did this if any of them did it where Fred Decker just name like name drops all these horror people it's a lot it's almost all of them (laughs) it's even to the point where it's a lot of contemporary people which 
now you look back on it and it's like, oh, Sam Raimi, he he's a, a classic horror filmmaker. Toby Hooper, same thing, you know, but they mm-hmm. were pretty new when this movie came out. So I think that's one thing that actually aged really well, even though I hate that because it always pulls me out of the movie because it's like James Carpenter Hooper. <laughs> like, you know, it's really funny as I know that. I- I find it funny that you hate hate it when it happens because for me I'm almost oblivious until someone points it out to me of all the name dropping mm-hmm. because I'm just I'm not thinking about that ever and it wasn't until I was doing the Wikipedia research where it's like yeah this person was named after so and so I'm like yeah this movie has a lot in that yeah like Cynthia a lot Cronenberg like <laughs> yeah all of them Minor Ramey Landis Cameron uh-huh. Carpenter Romero. Corman University, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's it's exhausting. I don't mind it, but I think you're right. Like, I don't know if movies at all did it before this one, but it's really, I, I also think it's annoying when it's done now, mm-hmm. like in other movies past this one. It's like you notice, or I kind of notice it more, but it's silly. I don't really like it. Just get whatever name yeah you know the the fan service is okay but when you go overboard with it like that's the point where it really starts to pull you out of the experience uh like the ben affleck daredevil like they were pretty bad with naming comic book writers like everything was (laughs) after some comic book writer but then you know teenage mutant ninja turtles the 1990 film they, they had one name drop like that where it's like oh it's the warehouse on the corner of eastman and Laird. There you go. You know, that's easy. No one would second guess that, you know, Mm -hmm. if you know, that's cool. It's a nod, but it's not like that's it. Every last name is a horror director. Yeah. You know, Uh, it's okay. It's it only really it only bugs me because it's one of those things that once you you hear it, you can't unhear it. And then it will forever rip you out of the movie (laughs) right just every time and it's that's that sucks because there is so much great interplay here and um you know not only because tom atkins is on the top of his game but you know the the kids are pretty good and they're all enjoyable and you know it's nice to see them kind of become friends and kind of the nerd become friends with like the popular girl and things like that and yeah, it, it feels organic and, and not forced. And I think part of that is because he does not look like someone that they like Spanky does not look like someone that they would cast <laughs> in a movie because he's not super handsome, you know, no. whereas like definitely now, definitely 80s like, quality. Well, yeah, know? but like now they they put like, you know, Jared Padalecki in there or someone like along those yeah. lines with this like chiseled jaw and you would just never believe that he would be a nerd for one single second but <laughs> no. that's that's what they're going with and it's like yeah they just cram that right down your throat so there's some cool easter eggs and kind of connective tissue between uh monster squad in this movie other than you know fred decker being the director you talking one about the graffiti fo- in the bathroom well there's that there's go monster squad in as the graffiti but it has the same exact line and the same exact scene set up in both of them uh, in this one, when uh, Atkins Cameron gets to the place, like when he's investigating, said dead guys just don't get up and walk by or walk away by themselves. And then it, the next shot is like the zombie walking down the road. Uh-huh. That line is said by the black detective in Monster Squad. And the next shot is the mummy walking down the road. Okay. It's pretty cool. <laughs> you yeah. know? So... I like Close. That. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That speech is so fucking funny because like they're just having a casual conversation. And then like Tom Atkins slowly turns psychotic to the point where he's not even paying attention. And Spanky said something and he goes, Close. You know, he says it for a third time, but that doesn't answer the question that Spanky just asked him. Like, so what'd you do? close <laughs> you know yeah 
it's awesome but i love that it's like four minutes long his story about how he killed like the uh axe murderer while he was off duty you know yeah it's so long i think that's one of my favorite parts in the whole movie is like he just gets so entirely lost in his own psychoses that he's not listening anymore he's just talking at him because he like he's just there yeah yeah and um did you aside you kind of just wanting to confess to a murder like (laughs) should you be telling me this close yes that's what he says yeah i love that i i grabbed my shotgun (laughs) no 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 my 12 gauge was with me Uh (laughs) like his 12 gauge is a person yeah Oh no no, I, no no! Yeah, I love that so much. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's very well directed too, uh, and how it like kind of very subtly pushes in on the faces as the story kind of ramps up, and I, I think it was really a, a testament to you know Tom Atkins' acting chops there because a lot of movies would cover that over with B roll. Hmm. We've seen this already because, you know, we, we've put all the pieces together, but it's just this quiet scene of two people talking over a glass of scotch or whiskey or whatever that is. And, um, yeah, the the faces just hold it. And I, I love that. Yeah. And and that's that's so good. <laughs> and Spanky's just terrified of, like, the story he's telling. Yeah, he's you just know, a deer like, in I don't want to be here. I yeah. don't want to be here right now. Yeah, he's yeah, it's really well done. It took me a little bit to um realize this was the what he was doing in his living room towards the end of the movie when he had to duct tape it. It seems like this wouldn't pass over my head, right? When he like Spanky's knocking on the door, you know, mm-hmm. and Tom Atkins is on his couch, like, am I going to get it? Am I not? He's kind of having arguments, and then it knock, he knocks again, and it's like annoyed that he has to take duct tape off the off the seal of his door. Yeah, he's trying to kill himself. <laughs> I know, but I know that now. But for the for so long, I thought it was he was protecting himself from the worms the slithers getting into his house, right? Mm-hmm. Not that he was, let alone there's a fucking sequence where he goes back into the kitchen and turns the gas off, you know? Right. But yeah, for the longest time. I guess this podcast has become how stupid I was for a <laughs> long time before I became somewhat intelligent. Well, on another episode. So, yeah. On a past episode. But I don't feel bad because I did watch some reviews and they brought that up too. So that's like, ha, there are people as dumb as me in the world. Yeah, I I don't know how that that flies over people's heads because his sole preoccupation outside of police work is trying to kill himself, whether he's trying to drink himself to death or having these bizarre (laughs) dreams of dead people coming out of the water, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's no excuse but i also want to say like it's interesting as the movie goes on he he looks less disheveled have you noticed that because he starts wearing like he always has his trench coat on you know but he started with like a hawaiian looking shirt with like most of the buttons undone Mm -hmm. and then he like starts looking more and more like a professional detective to the point where he's wearing a tie at the end when he kills himself, you know, yeah. the climactic scene at the end. I wonder if that was intentional, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think the Hawaiian shirt was due to the dream. And, you know, this is a guy who just kind of does the fuck he wants <laughs> sort of a thing. So the the Hawaiian shirt, I, I think, you know, had he not had that dream, he probably wouldn't be dressed like that. You know, because yeah. I, I feel like he was on a staycation or something like that, and they called him out of it. <laughs> okay okay maybe i'm reading too much into it so another weird thing is uh, i want to go back to like the releases so this was originally released released on laserdisc as well 
but there was a problem with the printing. So some laser discs had the theatrical cut, and some people just had the uh, director's cut already. Weird. And they did they did fix that. So like for a generation, there were people that believed that there were two <laughs> two endings, right? Without they're, knowing it, they're just arguing so, over it. Yeah, like, that didn't imagine? happen. No, it did. I swear. <laughs> yeah. I watched it. Yeah, there's a UFO that flew down. I own that movie. That's about? not there. <laughs> Just arguments from like horror nerds for like 10 years mm-hmm. before it finally came out on DVD to solve the problem. But man, like, what the hell is that about? How do you just like, because it's like, just like you're writing a, you're writing a CD basically that looks like a record. How do you just not have the right file in there? You know, it, it happened a lot, uh, according to a buddy of mine that collects laser disc, because like he's got Alien, the the laser okay. disc of that, and there's missing audio from that, but oh, that's shit. because they based it off like the seventy millimeter print instead of the thirty five millimeter print that was out there. So it's some stupid fucking goof up like that, where you know someone had the can cut lying there and they. You know, like, oh, no, don't use that one. And then they, you put the correct one in. And so to answer your question, who knows? Someone's an idiot. <laughs> right. Right. I remember the first time I flipped over a laser disc. I was in uh, this video rental place called um, Lansing Video. And they would sell, like, new movies or whatever. Wow. And Lansing the... Video. Real creative name, guys. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was the jam. I love that place. You know, as a, a seven-year-old having free reign on renting whatever the fuck you wanted to without any parental supervision was fucking great. Yeah, no, I, I'm sure it is. It's just, you know, it, it's like uh, Tom's Hardware where you just name the story after yourself because you, right. you can't fucking come up with anything. Yeah, I had to look, get my transmission looked at this week and it was uh, like Leonard's transmission. <laughs> you know, same thing. There you All go. Right. But they had excellent Google reviews. So, uh, but uh, yeah, this it's was Miller like, time. I uh, they had the abyss on Laserdisc, right? And this, Sam I Miller's remember time. this, huh? Nothing. Go ahead. <laughs> abyss time. But uh, they, um, it was the first time I realized that there could be alternate endings, you know, to anything, because they had the extended edition on Laserdisc, and I was like alternate ending and i flipped it over there's like a photo of like the wave crashing on like what a famous bridge or something or about to and i'm like what the fuck is that <laughs> like mm-hmm. where when is that in the movie you know yeah so they fight pirates this whole time like <laughs> yeah yeah like i always I love seeing away. those shots that didn't make it into the movie where it was like a publicity still that they did for something. And then you would rent the movie based off of like, you know, that's so interesting. Like one of the, I think it was Friday the 13th part two. There's a a photograph of Amy Steele that I, I feel like wasn't in the movie. Like there's something very similar, but it's not quite that shot. And I just remember thinking like, wow, that looks fucking intense where she's got like the pitchfork out and she's like looking straight at the camera, like, you know, like she's just going to stab whoever comes through that door. Yeah, and that happens in the movie. But I, I could be wrong. I feel like the, the quality of the photo was better than what was in the movie. So, it, you know, they might have staged it as a publicity still. But, you know, that was always interesting to me is like you're talking about with the abyss there where you'd see something on the back of a, a case. And it, it, it was like this idea of like the adventure that was promised. And then you watch the movie and that scene's <laughs> not in there. Yes. Yep. I mean, I'm still sold on like just uh, cover artwork, right? For, um, for movies. And if it has a good cover, I'm like, yeah, I think I'll check that out. Right. Mm-hmm. There was this one movie in particular where you're talking about like delivering on promises, right? Or I saw the cover and I was like, this was like not a uh, Scream or Shout Factory release, but it had that type of quality to it, right? That like 
painted 1980s style. And I'm like, wow, this looks really cool. It's called like Drowning Man or something like that. <laughs> and it was like this creepy pasta thing that was absolutely horrible, but the cover was really cool. And I'm like, yeah, they sold me on that. And that was a, that was a piece of shit. <laughs> so well, it happens. Then. Still happens. Speaking of marketing, you know, this movie also was released on a uh, with a different title, which added to confusion to its 70 theater release. It was called Homecoming Night in Cleveland and numerous other cities. So can you imagine like being just picture yourself? You have your first theatrical release and the studio slaps two names onto your movies. What would you think, Brian? <laughs> how, on a scale of one to 10, how pissed would you be? I'm just sitting here shaking my head disapprovingly. <laughs> yeah. Because Homecoming Night sounds like a bad slasher film. And this was the era where there were probably a lot of, like people were about as sick of slasher films as people pretend they're sick of superhero movies today. <laughs> Oh, yeah. You know, so it's like, oh, homecoming night. There's one to avoid. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. You know, uh, it, very I, hilarious, I was... Brad. <laughs> right. Like, I'm so sure. <laughs> I, I wonder now that you say that with like slashers being the case, I wonder how or, like so popular that people got sick of it. You know, I wonder how many slasher movies were made back then that just got buried that like you'll never know about, you know, cause I was rewatching them um, or not rewatching, but I was watching in search of darkness Two, which is like a five hour long horror documentary. Mm -hmm. They're going through that and they're talking about releases that I didn't even know about. I'm like, what the hell? I feel like this came from an alternate reality and it was just suddenly placed at my feet. Where are you watching but, that at? Is that a shutter? Shutter. Thing? That's a shutter thing. Yep. Of course. But uh, I wonder how many movies were made that we just won't know about, you know, like, I don't even think you can put a number on it because, you know, how would we? We don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot of them went straight to video because there, there was a, and subsequently found their way on Mystery Science Theater because a lot of that stuff, like they were just so desperate for content to to put movies out there where they would just buy any movie that anybody made <laughs> basically so that's how you wind up with like your hobgoblins and your silent night <laughs> deadly night and shit like that garbage day <laughs> <laughs> we were we were watching that new year's eve and just like like every five minutes someone would just randomly like <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's so bad. I'm always tempted to buy those movies, the Silent Night, Deadly Night movies, but I just can't bring myself to it. You know, I feel like at this time I should have them in my collection because why not at this point? But I don't know. Can't do it. Close. Yeah. Hey, you know what's great is how uh, Dick Miller is in this, mm -hmm. who is uh, Mr. Futterman and Gremlins. And I mean, he was all over the place. Terminator. Hey, he yep. either had the best agent or the worst agent because like he's just in everything. <laughs> he is. Like both great and bad. <laughs> but he's likable. Yeah. Each time you see him, you know. Mm. But uh yeah, he is in he is in everything. Um Flamethrower. Yeah, I mean, Flamethrower. <laughs> hey, if the pilot but, like goes out, you play hard to get like a son of a bitch. <laughs> and i love that sequence too where the him and tom atkins are talking back and forth and it gets to the end and you know he he keeps saying like well i'll need to see the requisition and then he like puts the shell in the gun mm -hmm. and was like yeah that that might be a problem he's like well i just need it and then he cocks it and he's like do you want to be a problem or something like that yeah, I just love that as he's like threatening him passive aggressively the whole time by like oh, getting the it's gun ready aggressive aggressively because he, like he levels the barrel at him like that's <laughs> you don't plan to come back into work on Monday kind of a thing because <laughs> there is no way in any scenario where that 
Right, like he's not going to be like, yeah, this fucking maniac pointed a shotgun at me and stole a flamethrower, a Vietnam era flamethrower. Yeah, it's an awesome flamethrower, though. Um, so what do you think about like all the genre mixing in this one? Because it's like B movie. It's like you got the aliens, you got the slasher, you got zombies, you know, the zombies, the creatures. You got fifties kind of. Yeah. Like, I think it's done really well. It's to the point where I barely notice it. No, it's know? it's extremely well and it works for the movie. And it's it's a total kitchen sink approach. It's the kind of thing that a lot of like screenwriting books would probably frown upon, you know, because they look at it and you're like, you know, you got to stick to your themes, you know, <laughs> but it does. It's just that it the, the connective tissue is unifying throughout and it it earns it in the sense that Ray Cameron is kind of the glue that holds the whole thing together with like the flashback. He was the young cop. And then, you know, now he's the kind of two fisted detective, you know? Yeah. Now you've got your college movie and that just happens to be the backdrop. And I mean, it's, yeah, no, it, it all works so effortlessly in a way that, um, it probably doesn't deserve to. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's so like you couldn't try to do that other than it just was lightning in a bottle. So um. it really was, you know, and but then you have like Monster Squad and it just makes me think like, man, I wish you could have made more. No, and you then know, you have because, RoboCop 3, and then you're like, no, well, no, yeah, no, stop that, making <laughs> Right, like, that absolutely killed his career. That wasn't his fault, though. That was too many cooks no. in the kitchen. Of course, but it's like, you know, who's the scapegoat? You know, the guy driving the ship, you know, which on paper was Fred Decker. So he gets the blame for RoboCop 3 and therefore shouldn't be allowed to make movies anymore, apparently, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but the good news is, like, because he took, like, a long hiatus. But then after uh, The Predator, he actually... Uh, in a few conversations floated the idea around of doing a sequel to the night of the creeps. So, which could be cool. Could not be cool. Could be really dumb, but I say, give them a try, give it a try. Let's do it. You know, man, it better be fucking awesome because to ruin what's here, like other than like, let's have a grasp back at our glory days kind of a thing. I would rather see a new Monster Squad than a new Night of the Creeps because I think you could do a cool story with that where, like, the monsters come back because they're immortal and then their kids, you know, have to save the parents or something like that so you can have all the original actors back and still kind of pass it on to the next generation sort of a thing. Yeah, I agree. That to me seems like it, it would be a better move than a Night of the Creeps too. I agree, and I I don't think it would work because of the absence of Tom Atkins, you know, because he's he's super dead by the end of this movie. Well, his head broke open. It was like a <laughs> yeah. doll just broke yeah. open on the road. And I feel like a, one of the many reasons that puts this movie like on the top of my list as like a recommendation for people is Tom Atkins character. He's just so crazy, but like plays it straight. But it's like, by the end of the movie, you have this huge realization, like the sum of everything. It's like, man, he's, he is off the deep end, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, I just, yeah, I, I would miss that in a sequel, like not having that type of like person, in the movie you know and then just to have someone else be the character like a tom adkins i think would be a disservice yeah and it would be annoying because it's like well he's no tom atkins <laughs> right 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 he can't rock a mustache and a hawaiian shirt properly and <laughs> his one-liner game is non-existent <laughs> i also love how he throws cigarettes everywhere you know I mean, like some of the cigarettes that he lights, it's like maybe a puff off of it. And he's like throwing it across the street, throwing it into a garden. Yeah. Like, well, I, I don't think <laughs> cigarettes cost $8 a pack back then. <laughs> no. 
but but that's kind of that like hard boiled detective thing where they're kind of trying to carry like a little of the noir flavor into this, but you know, eighties it up a bit. Now, the effects in this movie were done by David Miller. You know who that okay. is? Okay. No. Um, original Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, okay. He also played one of the the frat guys at the going to the prom. Oh, nice. Yeah. So um, he, uh, he dies on the bus. Okay. Um, uh, We're going to get done, dudes. <laughs> uh, Greg Nicotero and Howard, the B and K and B effects. Yeah, Howard, Howard uh, Berger. Yeah, they were also zombies. Yeah, they're there. Mm-hmm. So it's just crazy. Like, I often think about this, like the lineage of uh, like how close these special effects people were and like where they came from and how they basically all worked together uh at one point or another you Mm -hmm. know yeah and they're just moving from one show to the next to the next hey i need a little help with this oh yeah i can hook you up and you know yeah yeah but then it's like you know it's like you think about like how much how much of this is responsible by romero not to get off subject but it's like you know without romero hiring tom savini and then you know nicotero apprenticing under savini you know, and then it's just like, and then you have The Walking Dead, you know, mm-hmm. it's pretty interesting. Well, and then they went to work for Mark Showstrom for Evil Dead 2. Mm-hmm. And then there's a whole bunch of like Nightmare on Elm Street Halloween movies. I mean, those guys were just jumping. They were everywhere. From one dream project to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's so cool because there's also like, I guess Robert Rodriguez is friends with Greg Nicotero, right? Sure. So like Greg Nicotero was like, Hey, do you want to see like behind the scenes of evil dead two? And this was like years ago, right? Before you could easily find that stuff on like YouTube or something. It's like, yeah, sure. And so like Greg Nicotero is showing him like not B roll, but like how they're doing the special effects, like testing it and stuff. Mm-hmm. And apparently like it was like jaw dropping for uh Robert Rodriguez. Well, how, so, I mean, how could which, it not be? Yeah. They, yeah. They had a video camera and that, that was a thing that Savini was doing a lot on day of the dead. Uh, you know, a, a lot of them did like they would take photos of things constantly, but then once video cameras came to be affordable, everybody had a video camera and they were, everybody was doing test footage. They were running around making weird little short films uh, like evil dead doll in between <laughs> shots when they're filming evil dead too just to have a goof because it's like oh hey we're you know they're doing something setting something up we got two hours and an abandoned high school so let's <laughs> let's just make something sure why not that's work today love it uh it's it's just it's amazing to me how like just a small group of people were responsible for so much you know it's really incredible, you know, and so many iconic things. It impresses me all the time. But anyways, not to go on rambling about that. <laughs> you know what I thought was weird was uh, when all the leeches go into the basement. And they're like, what's in the basement? One of the girls' science projects. Brains? <laughs> There's just a pile of brains in the basement? Sure, why not? <laughs> Well, they, they, at the beginning, like, there was a part where they, like, talked about that. Like, hey, I got to put this somewhere in this house and just, like, put it in the basement. Mm-hmm. But I I guess I didn't know at the it was brains at the time. But. Yeah. It's just, um, I was watching that last night. It's like that. I always forget about that. It's like, oh, wait, what's in the basement? One of the girls' science projects. <laughs> a pile of brains? Like, <laughs> what the shit is she working on? You know, I the stuff that anyone getting a medical degree, I, I can't imagine like the horrific stuff you would have to see just to like get your education. You know. Oh like, yeah, yeah. It it'll curl your toes. I I won't go into it. Um, they offered us extra credit. Psychology was my minor, and they were doing um, I don't know what the procedure is called, but they were they were removing a brain from a cadaver and they would give us extra credit if we would go into the operating theater 
and watch that. Jesus. I mean, I don't know how much extra that is. I mean, like... Not I, enough. I, I can tell you that much. Yeah, like, <laughs> God, I better be getting an A, like, for this, for this. Because yeah. that's like, that's like something you can't erase from your memory ever, you know? I would imagine that that's mm. like something you could always be like, yeah, I remember that, you know? That's a bit like... like it's a bit like peeling an orange or any, any large fruit. No, it's it's pretty much like the scene in Reanimator. <laughs> it's it's pretty much like that. It was fine. I was just gonna say I don't remember the last time that I peeled an orange, but I know how to do it. I was like... I was quoting Reanimator there, buddy. <laughs> oh, that's right. I'm drawing a straight line. Too. Yeah, that's disgusting too. That scene. God damn. Well, and he's know. such a smarmy bastard <laughs> the whole time yeah. too. Good old they, John Kerry lookalike. He he wasn't the the uh, attending physician was not cutting cutting up like that though. He was he was he was very serious. But I, I digress. Um, yeah, no, the brains in the basement. I always thought that was weird. And I, there's a lot of like weapon swapping back and forth because when Brad dies, Spanky gives Cynthia a shotgun. He's like, here, hold this. It'll make you feel better. And then she takes it, but then the next time you see her, she's wearing the flamethrower. Yes. And they they change back and forth so many times. It makes me wonder if, like, was the continuity not being paid attention to? I know that there were some reshoots to punch some things up, because, like, that whole scene out in the shed where yeah. they're, they're having the, that fight with the zombies trying to break in on him, and he kills him with the lawnmower. That was all reshooting. So I don't know. It was it a reshoot? Was there stuff that was there that they cut out? I don't know, but that's something that always jumps out at me is, is just how fast the, continuity. The flamethrower, yeah. the shotgun. The, now she's got the flamethrower, he's got the shotgun, and back and forth, back and forth. Uh this last viewing was the first time that I really noticed it. And I probably noticed it before, but this time I like really paid attention to it for whatever reason. But yeah, it's like that that bothers me. I'm, I think it's more of like a continuity thing, you know, just because it's like a first, first go around with directing, you know, but maybe there were sequences that were taken out where they're like, you take this thing, I don't know how to work it or whatever. Mm -hmm. There could be that too, you know. Well, and again, you got a whole bunch of reshoots kind of stuck in there. So it's probably a little from column A, a little from column B. Yeah. Well, don't go out there. <laughs> See what I mean? It's like everything that he says is just all awesome. It's, it's great. Yeah. We're going to call the cops. Call them. You do that. Yeah. Good. Yeah, everything that he says. Just amazing. I love Ta Tom Atkins. Like, yeah. I think probably as much as I like seeing Bill Paxton on screen in all of his numerous roles you know well there's something about him too where like you see him in interviews and he just he always has the biggest smile on his face for like how much fun he's having and you know it it's even true when you meet him in person and talk to him about stuff because i could have asked him about night of the creeps but i didn't i i asked him about walker texas ranger like that that just happened to be the thing that came up because it i was working at channel 38 one of our substations was playing walker texas ranger which I had always had a cursory awareness of, but never really like, you know, it was like, oh my God, Walker's on tonight. I got to watch that. Well, I saw that whole fucking series about seven times through, under protests. <laughs> <laughs> Just, you know, because it's on and you have to pay attention to it. Um, but one of the episodes, Tom Atkins pops up as uh, like a crooked warden at a prison where they're doing like uh, underground cage fighting kind of thing. And I told him that I was like, Hey, you know, like I, I didn't even realize like you were in Walker, Texas Ranger. And he's like, Oh yeah, I remember that. Like he spit kicked <laughs> the shit out of me. And that was the end of my character, <laughs> you know, but then talking about the Norrises and the, the brother and that, you know, how nice they all were to work with and everything. So he just, he always seems like he's having so much fun. Yeah. He's always got a smile. You know? Mm -hmm. Oh, and then uh um 
That uh, this movie is actually how he got cast in Lethal Weapon. Nice, surprisingly, because Shane Black um, came on set and then saw Tom Atkins acting. Okay, and then it was like, "Hey, you want to be in Lethal Weapon?" So yeah, that's basically how that happened. We're, we're making a real Hollywood movie over here. Come on, come with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, which is which is awesome. So, because I, I mean, I liked him in that too, you know, as, uh, as his character. So, mm-hmm. not as psychotic though. <laughs> Definitely not as enjoyable. Not as suicidal. No. Right. Oh man, I still keep thinking about the scream. Ah! Yeah. Oh, it's just awesome. I, I love that. I, I want to quote that someday see see you know in in literature when you rip something off it's called plagiarism in movies when you rip something off it's called quoting quoting yeah is another term an homage yeah you want to be fancy yeah no it, it could be <laughs> uh well that's all i got man uh once again i i mean i love this movie it's it's a shame that like you know fred decker only got to make two well i say only but like he only got you know. to make two of his movies. Yeah, yeah. You know? And then he kind of started working for other people, and then that's where it, the wheels kind of fell off for him. That's that's very unfortunate, because he, he was, like, really starting to fire on all cylinders. And it would have been really interesting to see where he could have gone left to his own devices if he'd have just made the movies that he wanted to make. Yes, well, I think he would have been like the John Hughes of uh, horror movies. Okay. If he kept going down this path. Because I feel like in all of his movies, like, well, his two movies, you know, um, that it's, there's all these mixtures of horror. But then there's all these, like, awesome relationships that, like, keep forming in all of them, right? So, like, whether it's friendship or whatever, you know, it's like, even in Monster Squad, there's, like, really interesting, like, they don't even need to be in the movie, but it would be like the father and son talking about like him quitting smoking, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that, where it's like, well, it makes these characters real, you know, they're not just a yeah. vessel to move the plot forward, you know, but right. Right. And those are always the best kind of details. And it's a hard thing to do organically, but those are the sorts of things that make the characters feel like they, they continue to exist outside of the movie. Yeah, that what you're yeah. just it, what you're just watching is kind of a slice of life. Yes, exactly, and uh, I feel like we miss a lot of that with certain movies today. You know, where it's like you can do all these crazy and wacky things that are like juvenile and childish, like a horror movie, but then have like these real characters in it. You know, uh, and that needs to happen more, or else it's just the slasher slashing things you know, or a zombie biting things, you know? Yeah. I, th- so, I think Marvel's pretty good at that. Well, Marvel's good at it. I was more s- speaking of like horror movies, you know, cause I feel like we're in a funk right now where we're in the in-between between like another successful run of like great horror movies. And we're just kind of getting a lot of vanilla, you know, media, mediocre stuff, you know, uh, mm-hmm. that's not memorable. You know, um, I'm looking forward to uh, A Quiet Place Part 2. Excited for that, but that's the only one that I can think of that, like, does stuff like that, where it's like, there's real shit going on and real relationships on top of horror, you know? Yeah, everything's kind of been done to death, and there's a lot of homage out there, and I I think that's kind of... I'm getting a little tired of it, Um you know, I, I would rather just see people try to tell interesting stories instead of, hey, here's all the things that I like, because that's kind of going for, like, I like that kind of stuff, but it's sort of like going for the easy applause. And it works, and it's effective, but it's kind of, it, it's gotten to the point where it's starting to feel intellectually dishonest, because it's kind of a cheat. Yes. And yes. I, I just wish people would focus more on okay, those are your influences. How do you build on them instead of the family guy thing where it's like, hey, remember the thing? Don't you remember the thing? Yeah. Isn't the thing yeah. great? 
Well, why yes. aren't I just watching the thing instead of <laughs> this thing? <laughs> right, right. There's two movies that pop into my head, and both of them I didn't really like them the first time that I saw them because it was different enough for me. And one was Mandy, and then the other one was uh, The Empty Man. And both of them I've come to a like, like a lot, but they're both so strange in their own right, where it's like, so it's nothing like I had seen before. So I'm like, I don't even know if I like this. And I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember the last time until those two movies where I saw something and was like, I'm going to have to sit on that for a minute and I might have to rewatch it again before I make an opinion of it. Mm-hmm. So, which I think proves a point that like certain type of tropes are just getting stale at this point. And also it's becoming tougher to make something unique and original because there's so much shit out there. So much shit. And there's a real devaluing of content as well. I was just talking about this with my brother the other day there, how his kids, you know, we, we, and it's it's sort of appropriate because we started by talking about (laughs) VHS tapes and things like that. His kids will never go into the video store and pick out a movie and it better be good because if it's not that's your whole weekend you know that's that's your horse you bet and you lost yeah and they'll just never have that experience and uh you know it, it's like they've grown up with media where it's just so easily attainable and disposable and like i would have killed back then to have access to cartoons like your favorite cartoons 24 7 and like they just get to have this now and it's like they don't they just don't value tv time like we did no no or like i remember like on halloween my dad would be like these are the horror movies that they're playing tonight which one do you want to watch right because it was on tv so it was Mm. like oh here's the exorcist or night of the living dead or you know like halloween or whatever so it's like you had to pick one and then sit through like 40 minutes of commercials to watch a two-hour movie you know Mm -hmm. like that was edited and full screen you know um well tvs were full screen back then too so yeah but it's just like then it's like now now it's just like oh what's that movie? I can't even remember it. And now you have a search engine that can be like, there's this thing that happens to this person. And the search engine's like, is it this movie? (laughs) And you're like, yep, that's the one. There it is. I'll put it in the queue. We'll watch it tomorrow. I'm going to watch Friday the 13th part two tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I'll tell you what, when I worked at like Blockbuster for four months, I was in heaven because this was like prior to Netflix, right? You know, so you could, I think the policy was like, you could have 10 movies out at a time, you know? So I was just like, here's my stack for this weekend. (laughs) You know, I'm going to watch all of these. And I just plowed through hundreds of movies in that four months, just like one after the other. Mm -hmm. And some bullshit that I didn't even want to see because I ran out of movies to watch, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. My buddy and I in high school there, um, he worked at a a family video. So we got everything for free. It's like you just go in there and get the hookup. And um, one summer we tried to go through the entire horror section A to Z. Oh, my God. I I saw some shit. We only made it to the letter S. Okay. That's still pretty far. Like, Like halfway. That was a lot of movies. <laughs> that was a lot of movies. I saw some shit that summer. Anyway, Night of the Creeps is great. And um, I don't know. I, I kind of hope they don't make a second one unless it's really goddamn awesome. And <laughs> here's if, what I'll if say. If it is, cool. But if not, just don't try. <laughs> I don't need a Night of the Creeps too, but I do need Fred Decker to make some more movies. That's what I'll say. I like that. You know... I just, yeah, I just think the two movies, like Monster Squad has been like, I grew up watching that. I've loved it ever since. It still holds up. Night of the Creeps I found later, and I love it just as much, you know? So it's just like, there's something there. He needs to make more movies. So give us more movies, Fred Decker. Like, give, give us more of your movies. Yes, 
not more movies. Yes, yeah, more of not, your movies. We don't need RoboCop, Robocop 4. for <laughs> The Predator 2. Right. Let's We don't need that. Let's see uh see what's cooking up in that noodle there. Yes. Let's let's see what's on deck. <laughs> <laughs> I like what you did there. Well, if you all can leave us a like and a review on Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts, we'd appreciate it. Helps us get the word out there. And I see those review counts going up, so I do appreciate it. Nice. Uh, and then uh, you can follow us at Post Credits on Facebook and on Instagram. We post, you know, stuff about the episodes, stuff that we're into, all that kind of stuff. So follow us on there if you want more. Yeah, I'll just all leave right. it at that. <laughs> okay. That's fine. Okay, cool, cool. Well, don't go out there.